Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Please sign up for my newsletter at zibbyowens.com for weekly updates about my podcasts, events, and more. Also, follow me on Instagram at zibbyowens and also at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. And finally, join my virtual book club called Zibby's Virtual Book Club, which meets every other Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time until 3 p.m. and features half an hour of book club discussion, followed by 30 minutes of Q&A with the author whose book we've just discussed. You can sign up on my website, zibbyowens.com, under the virtual book club section, or even on Instagram under the link in my bio. I hope you'll find me in all these different channels and enjoy this podcast. Today's sponsor is actually my own holiday gift guide, which you all must check out at zibbyowens.com slash gift shop. Zibbyowens.com slash gift shop. I have so many amazing things organized by all the things moms don't have time to do, like eat, sleep, work out. I don't know. There are 10 different categories and they're amazing and read. There's so many reading gifts and writing gifts. Um, my daughter's here with me today and I was asking her some of her favorites from my list. What do you think? A hydro flask. And uh, you loved all the sugary treats, right? Oh yeah. Anything with candy. Like Sugar Wish and Nini's treats. I love Nini's treats. Um, and the Function of Beauty shampoos. Oh, I, love I heard about them through you. So Function of and Beauty shampoos. Dylan I saw. Dylan's candy bar. Amazing. Um, so go check it out. We have discount codes for almost everything at this point, and some are still pending, but go to zibbyowens.com slash gift shop and get some great gifts for the people you love and pick up a few for yourself. Why not stop into the gift shop? Jarrett J. Krasowska is the New York Times bestselling author and award-winning illustrator of more than 40 books for young readers, including his wildly popular Lunch Lady graphic novels, select volumes of the Star Wars Jedi Academy series, and Hey Kiddo, which was a National Book Award finalist. He has been a guest on NPR's Fresh Air, featured in the New York Times, and a TED Talk speaker. To tackle the pandemic boredom, Jarrett created the wildly popular web show Draw Every Day with JJK which provides art lessons for kids ages 6 to 11. The YouTube series has been viewed more than 550,000 times in just six months. Jarrett also recently debuted a 10-episode virtual interview series called Origin Stories with JJK, where he hosts in-depth conversations with some of the biggest names in graphic novels. Welcome, Jared. Thanks so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thank you, Zimmy. Thank you so much for having me. You have written so many different amazing things. I almost don't know where to start. When I first got pitched you coming on this podcast, I was like, oh my gosh, because all of the Star Wars books my kids have been reading for years. And I was oh. like, oh, they're going to think that's really cool. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. And then as I showed you the picture of my seven-year-old who was reading Lunch Lady in bed and absolutely loved it. And then I loved Hey Kiddo. Oh my gosh, this I've never really read a memoir in graphic novel before as a grown-up. So I just want you to talk about everything, but let's start with Hey Kiddo, because this was really moving and amazing. And your story, I know you've done this TED Talk that a billion people have watched, but tell me about this memoir first. And that was a long, so, long intro, but... <laughs> no, no, I, I, I appreciate all of the effusiveness. Hey, Kiddo is a story about my life growing up and my mother was addicted to heroin and I was raised by her parents who were alcoholics minus the label. I didn't know who my father was, but I had art, you know? And so that's, I always use art as a way to rise above my situation. And so in, in 2001, when my very first picture book was published, I thought, oh, like here's, here's the happy ending for this kid who always loved to draw, but you know, and his mother loved to draw, but she, she had addictions and she was incarcerated. But then every time I sat down to write 
what would become Hey Kiddo, I would stop because I'd find myself censoring it, you know, like pre-censoring of, oh, what is what is this person going to think about how they're depicted? What is So I, I realized that if I wasn't ready to be all in and really tell my story, I, I just wasn't ready to, to write the book. And so I went on to write more picture books and then the Lunch Lady books. And, and as I was working on Lunch Lady, and Lunch Lady was published initially between the years 2009 and 2012, which was, which means like in the early mid 2000s, I was actively making the books, but I would always, I'd get sort of like my mind would wander and I would start drawing my grandparents or who I was as a teenager. And so the, this, the idea of writing about my life was, was always there percolating. But you mentioned that TED talk and actually it was, it was October of 2012 when I gave that talk. And I was a last minute replacement. <laughs> so I was home. It was a Friday afternoon, which is miraculous that I, I was home because I tour all the time giving lectures at schools and libraries. So the fact that I happened to be home that Friday afternoon, my phone rang. And even the fact that I didn't have the number programmed into my phone, I still answered it. You're like, oh, this is, <laughs> I'm really putting myself out there. This, who is this? I don't know who this is, <laughs> but it's a local area code. And it was a producer at the TEDx talks happening at Hampshire College, which is the next town over for me. And they said, you know, we had a last minute cancellation. Would you be willing to, to, to sub in? And initially I thought, oh, like I always thought, wouldn't it be cool to give a TED talk, you know, like, and so I thought she meant it was next week or the next day. And then she said, no, it's, it's tonight. It starts in four hours. <laughs> We're, we, we, you know, but the thing is, my wife, Gina, and I, we had plans to go out to dinner and, and she's constantly, and the whole family is constantly sacrificing their schedules for the demands of my work. So I said, you know what, let me call you back. And I said, Gina, like, I want to, let's talk about this. Like, should I do it? She's like, and then she got mad. Like, why the hell didn't you say yes right away? Like, that was dumb. Like, say yes, do the talk. And I committed with, with you know, four hours to go and immediately began pacing the floor of my kitchen out of like, what am I going to talk about? You know, and, and, and Gina's like, you know, you're, you're thinking too into it. it the the story is right there in front of you. You should write about your childhood. And I said, okay, so I'll get up there. And I started spitballing. I'll get up there and I'll say, I love to draw. And my mother loved to draw, but she was addicted to drugs. And Gina stopped me and she said, no, your, your mother was addicted to heroin. You should say that. So I had a slideshow that I had just put together for educators for a 60 minute talk. But of course, now the TED Talk can't be longer than 18 minutes. So editing it down, you know, jumping in the shower, getting dressed. And then, of course, our babysitter canceled on us. So imagine no. if I had said no. And then the babysitter canceled. It would have been no date night and no TED Talk. Oh, my God. <laughs> and so Gina couldn't come with me, which was probably for the better because it was almost easier to be so vulnerable without making eye contact with her and seeing how that story pains her. Right. And I arrived at the venue. They said, there's your seat. I took my seat. The lights went down. The first speaker went up. And so I didn't even go through that talk ever, but I, I went up there and I talked about my mother's heroin addiction and the talk went viral. And from the response of kids at schools made me realize, oh, he, I have a story that I've been trying to write. And I used to think I want to write this book. And now I realize I need to, mm. you know, and that's something I've, I've truly come to realize that, you know, we don't write, we don't, especially memoir, we don't write memoir because we want to, but we feel compelled to because our experiences can help other people through 
whatever they're dealing with or understanding other people's path in, in this life. Wow. So after the TED Talk, when you had essentially sort of outed everything in your history, did it even sort of create a ripple? Did you worry at all about then releasing the book or was it like over? No, what the TED Talk taught me was how to deal with strangers talking to you about your private life. Okay. Right? You know, how, how so do you do good, that? It was, well, it was good training, right? For me, it was good training to, if I had just had the memoir, I think I really would have been overwhelmed by the response, you know? But so slowly over the years, I would connect with people. So I learned how to also accept people's pain mm. and still, still remain in one piece for myself, right? And then anytime something would come up being an interview or something, or, you know, there'd be another wave of people reaching out to me. So I, you know, I learned how to find the right balance of making myself available to readers, but then also exercising self-care, you know? And so by the time I book toured for Hey Kiddo two years ago, you know, I, I really was prepared for, for what was to come. I mean, you know, their grandparents handing me photos of their grandkids that they're raising at home. And even too, you know, Hey Kiddo's young adult, right? It's, it's for ages 12 and up. I did not sense, as you've read the book, I didn't censor anything. My grandmother cursed like a sailor who used to be a trucker, you know, <laughs> and there was at one of my book events, there was a 10 year old there. And I was always, especially I'm known as, was known, especially as the lunch lady guy or Jedi Academy or these, these young, fun stuff. And now I was, I was really conscious of the fact that, oh, there might be someone who thinks this is going to be lunch lady, but I'm going to be talking about my mom's addiction to heroin. And I, I did, but I didn't want anyone to feel unwelcome. So what I would do is I'd have a slideshow of praise quotes that explained what the book was, right? And as, before the event started. And then that, that family came up after the book signing. That 10-year-old was there because her 13-year-old elder brother overdosed and died. Oh. So yeah, I mean, those, those are stories that I'll, I'll carry with me for all my days. And, and, but those are the stories that validate for me like why I wrote this. So those, those young readers and older readers could feel less alone. Do you feel now a little more pessimistic about how widespread this is as an issue for families in America today? I don't know if I feel more pessimistic about it. I mean, because I think, I think people who are dealing with opioid addictions, not fully, but more so than when I was young, are really looked at as someone who's battling an illness mm. versus having a moral failing. You know, I feel if I was growing up today, I would have had more resources to understand that my mother was ill and that she she just wasn't a quote-unquote bad person as it was always sort of painted for me. And then I read when you wrote at the end that while you were editing the book, your mother passed away. That's so awful. Tell me a little bit about the timing of that and how you handled that. Well, you know, we had been estranged for a couple of years at that point. Mm -hmm. So uh, when my second kid was born, she started getting arrested again. Mm -hmm. And so for a number of years, the only way I knew what she was up to, so I, I had to say, you know, I have a young family. I have a three-year-old. I have a newborn baby. You're getting arrested again. I can't have this in my life right now. The most difficult thing I could ever do. But, you know, as much as I loved and want to take care of my mom, I knew that my most important role was that of, of a parent myself. So that these young children needed me. 
and I couldn't get pulled into a lot of that stuff. And so, you know, we, we exchanged a few text messages and I saw her a year prior to her death at a, at a, at a different family funeral and we made peace with one another. And so when I, when I got the news that she had died of a heroin overdose, I wasn't surprised. I was gutted and sad, but then also relieved to know that she wasn't suffering anymore. You know, I kind of liken it to like when someone's had maybe terminal cancer for a really long time, you know, she started using when she was like 12, 13 years old and she lived well into her her late 50s. She had a a really long life for someone who lived such a lifestyle. But when I was cleaning her house after she died, I was really confronted with the ugliness of, of her plight which, you know, it brought, that brought a deeper understanding of what she went through than, than anything, you know, because as, as a kid, you often think when you're a kid and you have a parent who has an addiction, for me, I would always think, and I hear this from other people too, that, oh, you chose drugs over me, mm-hmm. you know, and in seeing what she dealt with right to the end, I realized, well, she only chose drugs once and that was well before I was ever born, right? So she wanted nothing more but to be a parent and be there and, and to be a grandmother. But, you know, even, you know, on my first kid's first birthday, she got in touch with me, not to wish my kid a happy birthday, but to ask for, ask for money. Right. So, so it was things like that, where it was just, it was like, like I mentioned this, the Ted talk, it is like Charlie Brown trying to kick the football, mm-hmm. you know, but you just keep, you keep trying because, because you hope maybe you make contact. Wow. But you seem to be in such a like psychologically healthy place to talking about this. I mean, you could should, be should like, I get Gina down here. She could tell you the whole other side of the coin. <laughs> okay. Well, that makes me almost feel better because I mean, and you mentioned, you know, how you wish you had had therapy as a child, but you're lucky enough to have had it as an adult. And that was just something your grandparents didn't really believe in and all the rest. Yeah. But I mean, you seem... I don't know. You seem like you have made peace with this in such a profound way. And now all you do is basically give back to other people with your books and illustrations. And even during the pandemic, all your drawing shows, like, I don't, how did that, is that all because of this therapist or? (laughs) No, no, no. I was because of my grandfather. My grandfather was a very altruistic man, you know, and he never forgot where he came from. He, he always would say to me, remember, remember your station in life. Remember your last name. He grew up with, with nothing and a place that gave him a lot of opportunities was the Boys and Girls Club of Worcester. So he, his entire life would support them and, and donate to them. So, you know, they, my grandparents raised me, they didn't believe in therapy, but you know what? They always gave me empty sketchbooks and art supplies. So they, in their own way, provided me a space to work, work through a lot of that stuff, you know? But I will say when I finished Hey Kiddo, that was like not closing a chapter, but it was very healing because it was a hard book to write. I mean, I liken it to in Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix when Professor Umbridge is making Harry write lines with the blood quill. And every time he writes, I, I shall not tell lies, it's getting singed into the back of his hand, right? And that's kind of what it felt like at times. But then when I finished it, I was like, wow, like I lived through that and I'm stronger for it. And then it published, which was this other wave of anxiety and nerves. I mean, like weeks before the book published, you thought... I can't ask them not to publish it. I signed the contract. <laughs> They've spent all this time and money to put the book out there. But then again, it's getting those responses from the readers that say, okay, that's why that pain was worth it. Going, going through the challenges of writing the book was worth it f- for that. And, you know, I also went to, when I was, six, I was 16, when I started working at a camp for children with cancer. And it was that experience too that taught me 
there are so many different kinds of pain. Like I have my pain, these families have their pain and being of service to somebody and, and that lifts your spirits more than anything. You know, one of the camps I worked at was the hole in the walking camp, which was founded by Paul Newman. And his, his oft used quote was that, you know, the, the mathematics of the whole thing didn't really make sense because no matter how much you put in, you get so much more out of that sort of work. Wow. That's beautiful. And so inspiring. And totally paraphrased and butchered. He said it much more eloquently than I just No, <laughs> not the quote. I mean, that's lovely. But I just meant the whole story, just the way you're able oh, to, yeah. to channel your life into such a giving outcome, essentially. Thank you. So, Thank you. And tell me a little more about the drawing show that you launched recently. Okay. My January 1st, 2020, you know, as we all look to the great new year ahead of us and we think, what do we want to accomplish or what do we want to work on? My new year's resolution was I would like to do more webcasting. (laughs) I would like to do more live videos. I'd like to create more videos from my YouTube. And so, you know, step one is, okay, how am I going to achieve this goal? And I have three kids and Uh, I thought the only way that I could like really make this work would be to carve out a space that would be just for recording. So this, I'm in a room in my basement. It's a small little room. I have my flat files over here and I, it was just a storage room. And I said, okay, if I just take this little corner and I have an extra drafting table and I would go on Facebook live once a week for the adults. And I would go on YouTube live once a month for schools. And then when everything started shutting down in the middle of March, you know, my mind was rapid fire. Like everyone's like, what, what are we going to do? And then also like, how, how can we help? Like, what can I do in this moment? Like I have friends who are nurses and doctors and friends who are, you know, deliver bread to all of the supermarkets in central Massachusetts. And they were all, you know, essentially putting their lives at risk and not knowing what was going to come of this work they were doing, which was to, to, to benefit people. And I was, I was actually in Pittsburgh right before the shutdown. I was traveling the first couple of weeks of March, definitely being anxious. Definitely. I was masking up and sanitizing and thinking, I don't know if I should be here, <laughs> oh, you know, and then, then the NBA shut down and Broadway shut down as I was flying home from Pittsburgh, but I was staying across the street from where Mr. Rogers filmed his show. Oh. Even just like driving by there, like that's like, imagine like he went to work every day and he walked through that door. Like, that's really neat to think like that physical space is where Mr. Rogers would, would go to work every day. And so I, I had that in the back of my mind. And then I was at the airport nervously scrolling on my phone before the flight took off. And a friend of mine, she pulled her kids before our town officially called it. And she had a, a big whiteboard with the schedule that they were going to keep. And it said two o'clock art. And I said, well, I could, I could, I could teach your kids art. Like I could, you know what, that's what I'll do. And then it just all, you know, the neurons has fired away on that plane home from Pittsburgh. And I said, it'll be called, it'll be called draw every day. Cause we're going to draw every day and we'll do it. You know, everything's getting shut down for two weeks. We'll just do this thing for two weeks. It'll be done. Well, life will be back to normal done. Okay. Where am I traveling to next? <laughs> and so obviously, you know how that story ends and, you know, by over the weekend, we, formula, okay, what would it be? There'd be different segments. I'd have, I made little animations, you know, I have an overhead camera so you can see me draw. And then after two weeks we said, okay, like now we felt, you know, people were really sort of counting on me. Like I would receive these messages of, of gratitude. And so then again, I felt a little bit of a responsibility. So I, I 
did it every single day for the next couple weeks and another couple weeks after that. And then I went down to two or three episodes per week. And then Labor Day hit and summer came and I said, let me just put it on pause, take some time to take stock and reflect and recharge. And also realizing how, like, you know, as soon as the adrenaline leaves your body, you're like a marionette without strings. Yeah. And that's really what happened to me. And so I took the summer just to, to relax. And, and by relax, I mean, stay in my yard with my kids. <laughs> and not go that's anywhere. so relaxing. Yeah. <laughs> so relaxing and not have any childcare help or anything and not be able to see anyone I love. Yeah. Other than that, it was a yeah, great summer. Dream come true. <laughs> so, but then I picked it up again in, in middle of August, but also realizing that with Hey Kiddo, I have this whole other readership that's older. Mm-hmm. So I started another web show called Origin Stories, where I'm interviewing my graphic novelist friends about how they came to be, you know, and that that is a show for for teens and adults. I mean, sometimes younger kids could, could like there's an episode with Raina Telgemeier and that would be appropriate for everyone, but I don't want to hold back and I'll, I'll be interviewing some other authors who who have more, you know, older skewing, older skewing work. And so Dry Every Day is about two times a week. Origin Stories is once a week and I record it right over here. I'll turn this around. So this is a tiny little room. There are my flat files. And that is where I record origin stories. <laughs> wow. Basically, it is smaller than I even thought. You were like in a tiny little yeah. box. Yeah. Oh, I can... But it looks amazing. It's amazing. It's like If fantastic. I stood up, I'd touch the ceiling, but then you would see my sweatpants. So. <laughs> <That's okay>. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's getting up on but that's just the il- <laughs> Yeah, that's just the illusion of, I guess, TV magic, right? I mean, when I was... Sh- I shared some behind-the-scenes photos a couple months in, and people thought I was in like this attic with huge windows <laughs> and skylights and it's a couple of ring lights and and a microphone but but I was able to do that so quickly because I had the ring light here because I had all of this stuff set up I mean you know I I think we're, we'll all be traumatized by that pivoting for for so long now I mean I think I, I don't think I've even processed it all yet you know I'm sure none of us really have that yeah. spring because you know why because we're so busy mourning every new thing that we don't have right so now we're in the midst of morning Halloween and making plans for how we can safely celebrate Christmas with my in-laws and all that. So yeah, even the marathon is coming up here. Like that's like, I'm like, even the marathon's not happening. That's outside, you know, (laughs) but yeah, yeah, Um, I know, but I I know what you mean. Every, every milestone I'm in my head, like, oh my gosh, are we really like, if, if we hit March 12th again, like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. This is really, are we still going to be in this state with no vaccine and no anything? But anyway. Um. Well, I would say, I would say, you know, every now and then Gina and I say, we miss the days of just Tiger King and new TikTok. <laughs> so if, if Netflix, if there's a Netflix executive listening, if you could please make a Tiger King season two for us by March 12th, yeah. that'll be the only thing I'll have. <laughs> Oh my gosh. So, so now what is coming next on the book front for you? I have a book called Sunshine, which is a a follow-up to Hey Kiddo. It's actually so much a follow-up as much as it's a companion. It totally stands on its own. It's, it's about my time working at that camp with children with cancer. And it actually fits into this book. It was originally a chapter from Hey Kiddo and I'll show you the page. So what was once a whole chapter became just this page here in Hey Kiddo. And I needed to explain how that experience informed my motivation to meet my father. So you could read Hey Kiddo up to here, stop, read all 
240 something pages of sunshine and then come back and then read read the rest here. And that's that was the one of the greatest gifts my editor gave me when I was writing this. He said, "Don't write this book like it's your only chance to write about your life." And it's true, right? Because our lives don't unfold in a nice neat three-act structure. There are so many different tracks and so many things going. And even even as I continue to think about life experiences that I, I want to write about, you know, oh, I, that, I think that this part here, because there were a lot of parts and things about my grandparents that just didn't fit into the narrative. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I have these two wonderful tracks where I could write these heavier books for older readers, and then I could write younger, goofy stuff for, for younger readers as well. So, and I have another, I have another series in the works for that, that Lunch Lady Jedi Academy age as well. Wow. Very, very busy. <laughs> That's awesome. Busy. That's awesome. Do you have any advice for aspiring authors or illustrators, I should really say, or creators? Yeah, I mean, you just have to, I mean, one of the greatest gifts my grandfather gave me too was my, my work ethic, right? So he he grew up during the Great Depression and that's something he always instilled in all of his kids, including me, that hard work is so important. So it really doesn't matter what art college you go to, if you even go to college for art or if it's just about your craft. If you have to work on your craft, it's a constant journey and growth. So, you know, I could look at any of these books and point out everything that I would want to change about every single one of them, but I can't. They're printed. It's done. I can only take that knowledge of, of into my next projects. That's awesome. Well, I had such a great time talking to you today, especially our little pre-chat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and on our dog's habits and whatever else. And you're really inspiring. It's it's amazing. And I love all the good you're doing in the world and, you know, the entertainment mixed with emotion. And it's really fantastic. So I'm glad our paths have crossed in this world. And uh, I am too, Zibby. Thank you. I appreciate you. And thank you for all you're doing as well to throw a spotlight on books that you love. Thank you. No problem. All right. Have a good day. (laughs) Have a good day. Okay. I'll see you soon, Zibby. Thank you. Bye-bye. Be well. Thanks again to today's sponsor, me, (laughs) my holiday gift guide, zibbyowens.com slash gift shop. Please go check it out. Buy something for someone you love and I promise you won't regret it. zibbyowens.com slash gift shop. Go check it out. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. 